you said you said it right there that perspective started to change as i started to see where i wanted to be differently is that i wasn't looking at just oh i'm doing this job do this job is i started looking at it like you said in the art in the sense of what we're doing and the you know and doing it right when you do it right it looks good it looks sexy you know it's like you know it, it's it's not you know you just oh yeah another day the office like, damn that one came out just right hell yeah Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm hoping to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey everybody, welcome back. I've got here this week, Ryan. And uh, Ryan, we actually touched base over social media, over a post he had made that we'll get into here shortly, but I figured I'd hand it over to him, allow him to introduce himself here and we'll get this rolling. So how's it going, Ryan? Oh, not too bad. Yeah, um, I was actually, I think, out in Pennsylvania when I made that post and you kind of reached out and uh, for my wife-to-be. But um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Ryan, I'm from Indiana. Um, uh, we do specialize in like commercial work. So I do a lot of traveling, building dealerships all over the U S. Um, so keeps me busy and keeps me on the road. Um, sometimes it gives me a different perspective that we don't always see when we're working close to home. So, but I enjoy what I do. Love what I do. My family loves me for it. So <laughs> what more can you ask for? I mean, I, I, I kind of echo that cause I had spent a, a number of years in the oil field and working underground. So I know all what it's like kind of working away from home and the struggles that come along with that. But at the same time, there's, you know, some financial incentive for it. And, you know, you can make a good living doing that at the same time. Oh yeah. And, um, and it has its tolls, but it does keep the job interesting. And um, I mean, a lot of, as I'm sure, you know, you meet a lot of people on the road that you just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, so a lot of good friendships and, you know, a lot of good, um, you know, different associates that you meet along the way that come from being on that mode. Oh man, I've, I've talked about that before too. That's one of my, my favorite parts and the things that I honestly miss about working out of town is just those kind of bonds, like the friendships that you build out there because you're kind of all away from home at the same time. And you really end up leaning on each other and getting to know them like nobody else. Yeah. It's, um, it's a different kind of like family life per se. I mean, you got your family, family that you, you know, you come home to your kids, your wife, you know, your parents, things like that. But um, you do kind of the people that you end up seeing on the regular or the people you travel with on the regular, especially um, you guys kind of end up becoming more family sometimes in the, the family you have at home. So uh, it's, it's really cool to see the, the relationships over the last probably 20 years I've been doing this um, that I've built and that have grown and have, you know, become more than just, you know, people on the road swinging hammers or, you know, laying concrete or whatever it was we were doing at that time. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, man, it's it's incredible. It's the same thing. I mean, I've got friends who I had spent uh, six, seven years with, you know, you're living with them 24 seven and uh, three weeks on at a time have little communication with home. And, you know, we, we won't see each other for <laughs> two or three years. But then as soon as you meet up again, it's, it's literally like, like a brother, like it, that, that bond that you're talking about, almost like a second family. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. No, dude, I wouldn't trade, you know, I mean, people ask you, you, you do something different. And it's like, nah being on the field, being on the move. I mean, sitting in the office, I get it now, but, um, as you get, as I'm getting older, I love, 
<laughs> I do enjoy my office time, but you know, being on the field and building with those guys and, you know, and, and being down in the dirt and, you know, and then since in the trenches with them, um, I wouldn't trade any of that, man. I love it. So, no, man, I, I completely agree. And I figure that kind of ties nicely into, so I'll just, I'll read this post that literally we ended up connecting over. You had shared it in one of the, uh, the yeah. trades groups and yeah. So anyway, I'll just read it and then we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. So uh, this is quoting you uh, sitting here beat and burnt. I think about what it's all for, for the ones I love for family, for the company, it's for my girls, my daughter that's here and my beautiful daughter that's not so close to home. It's for my beautiful wife to be. It's for the struggles and successes we share and battle through. Life isn't always easy. It's not a walk in the park. Life takes sacrifices and pain sometimes. Uh, Caitlin, I love you and can't wait to watch you walk down the aisle in seven days. Everything I do is for us and the empire we are building. For our girls and the future, you've been strong when being strong isn't easy when I'm gone for what seems like forever and when the universe seems to be against us, yet you adapt with me and overcome all obstacles in our way and keep moving forward together. I can't wait to see what the universe has for us. We're stronger together and I can't wait to conquer the world with you. And so first off, congratulations on your wedding. That's amazing. Thank you. I do appreciate that. It was a great one. It was epic. Oh, that's awesome, Matt. There's a... Nobody died. So that's always a good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bonus. Hey, that's awesome. So uh, but like, really, the the message that you echoed in there, I couldn't have, mm-hmm. I couldn't have kind of related to more like I just, I think that's amazing. I mean, that's the same thing I try to keep in mind with work nowadays. I mean, now I'm I'm home every night or just about every night. Um, but you know, going back to working in the field and being out of town for weeks at a time, I could really resonate with that. And I think, you know, some of the audience, they've, they say that they work out of town. And it's, it's kind of cool, I think, to relate that to them as well, or people who have never worked out of town and just the feelings that you get. So anyway, I really like that post and I just wanted to get that out of there now. <laughs> so no, thank- you're good. I appreciate Yeah. Thanks for writing. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's a, it's a resonating thing. I try to remind myself because you, when you get on, on the road, you, um, it can wear you down too. as much fun as it can be. And as much, as many friendships and relationships that you make, um, you know, it, it can also wear you down. It can depress you or, you know, you can, you can miss your family. You miss your kids. Um, when you're on the road, you miss important times. And so the sacrifices that we set today build for the future that we have tomorrow. And so, um, you know, it, it's, I hope my kids will understand it when they're older and when they're older, hopefully I'm not doing it. And, you know, my wife now, um, you know, she gets it more. And it's kind of funny you now when you marry them, then they don't care. <laughs> I, 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 I know what you mean. About me. Yeah, I know what you mean. You um, complain about me traveling. And then now she's like, oh, okay, cool. When are you going to be home? It's yeah. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> I feel like there's a bit more security in so, that bond, right? Oh, right. You know, it's, you know, I mean, you, you, it's, it's not just talking about, you know, spending the rest of your life together. You, you know, we've made that abundantly clear before God's and before our friends and our family. Um, and, and we're bound by that. And so, you know, with that, and it, it's security of mind for her that no matter what, no matter where I go in the world or where I go in the United States, I'm coming home. Um, you know, yeah. for us, it's a simple thing. It's like, okay, whatever. But, you know, for our wives, for our children, that's a, it's a big, important thing. You know, there's no horror stories of the guys that go and never come back and, or, you know, go full around and it just, you know, yeah. so it's offering those sureties, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. I, I, I experienced the same thing, you know, once, even after the engagement, it was this idea that, all right, I'm, I'm sticking around. Like you don't have to worry. I'm coming back. And I agree. I mean, you hear all those kind of horror stories too, but I, I think we were kind of, we have that in common that just that, that bond, there's a, 
you know, we made that that promise, so that it, it, we're sticking oh, around yeah. for it. And I, I think that's important. What I really liked to what you had said is, I've had the same thoughts with my kids. Like, I hope they understand the sacrifices. And I'm thankful to my wife. She reminds them all the time. Like, even just days where I'm I'm home late or I'm home after they go to bed because I get tied up on a uh, an electrical shutdown or something where I'm I'm trying to get power reconnected, but I I can't exactly leave the job until it's done. She yeah. does a really good job of reminding them that you know, what I'm doing out there is for them. And I think I'm so grateful to her because even when I'm not here to say it, she's trying to echo that sentiment to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's oh, yeah. Just, it takes, um, it takes a strong woman to be with a guy that's always moving in her to be with, you know, have a husband that is, you know, always on the go out there on the field, you know, our jobs aren't, a lot of people don't realize that too. People, you know, they see the guys in construction and do the nine to five and it's like, okay, um, and then you hear about the guys like us that do, you know, 12, 14, uh, 20, if it takes it, like you said, you can't just leave in the middle of a job because it's the end of the day. And, you know, sorry, I, you know, it's, I got to juggle finding somebody to pick my daughter up from my nanny, you know, making sure that animals are taken care of, man. Sorry, babe, I'll uh, be home as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. And, and yeah, like you said, it, it takes a strong woman, a strong wife to, to be able to deal with that life. Sometimes I know she gets frustrated, but at the end of the day, she understands it. And I'm incredibly thankful that she does because again, like you, it allows me to actually make the living for the family and, and get out there and do what I have to do. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's not being complacent. Yeah. Um, you know, they say complacency kills and it, and it's very true. And you, you get, you know, some guys, and I'm not speaking bad of anybody, but you get some guys that are just comfortable being in that baseline. And then you got, you know, people that are trying to build for something bigger, build for something in the long term, um, because perspective is everything. Um, and once your perspective cuts out of being in that short term, that party lifestyle, you know, young in the trade, making good money, partying every night. Um, you start thinking about family and children and what do I want to do with myself in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? Um, you know, do I want to be swinging a hammer? Like I see some of the guys that work for us now and be doing that when I'm 56 years old, or do I want to run a farm and, you know, which I run a couple now, but I mean, like I want to run my own Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the time I'm like 50, but um, you know, would I really be doing that? So what do I got to do to get there? Um, and then if I'm going to have kids, how do I make it enjoyable for them and make an experience that they enjoy? Cause I hated it growing up as a kid. Um, being out in the country, being on the farm, I ran from it, ran to the city. Um, and yet look at me now, <laughs> I'm right back where I started. So, um, so it's trying to give my kids a different perspective on that farm life and the country life. Um, it gives, I think a little bit better, sometimes qualities that we can give them, um, you know, being raised in the city and <clears throat> kind of getting lost in the city a little bit. Yeah, so, man. Um, so, you know, it's, a yeah, it's a lot. Of, uh, I enjoy it. Yeah. Well, kind of where you're at now that that's honestly mine and my wife's goal. Like we're kind of slowly moving farther and farther out of the city. I was born and raised not too far out of Vancouver, British Columbia, which is the biggest city on the West coast of Canada. And, yeah. but every year or every couple of years, every move that we make, it's farther and farther out. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get to a smaller and smaller town just to raise the kids. Cause I mean, you're well aware of it too, of all the, you know, the drawbacks. I mean, there's positives to the city too, but there's a lot of drawbacks and it's kind of not exactly where I want to raise the kids. today's time. Yeah. yeah. In today's time and the way things are going on right now. I mean, you see it in our town alone and our, well, in our state and everything with the closest big town to us a lot of parents are ripping their children out of the schooling system and putting them in private or gone to homeschooling. Uh, um, you know, it's just, there's so much that's become this inner city lifestyle now that's got to be so PC. Um, 
that, you know, parents are starting to wake up and they're actually starting to take control of what their children are learning or what they're being taught or, you know, what they're being, you know, subjected to um, that you weren't seeing before anyway. So in a way, everything that's been happening with society is kind of, you know, it's been bad, but in a way it's also been good because it's drawing parents back to paying attention to their children. Oh, I could not echo that enough. I mean, that's one thing that I've noticed too, is just, I don't know. I mean, becoming a parent, like it's really easy to kind of sit back and toss your kid an iPad every once in a while. Like, let's face it, it, it gets pretty tiring parenting sometimes, yeah. but, but at the same time, like you've got to be on top of stuff. And I think you're right in that people are kind of starting to wake up to that a little bit more and um, realizing kind of that where this lazy style of parenting leads to and just, yeah. I don't know, man, I, I completely agree with you. We try to have the same mindset with our kids now trying to be a lot more attentive, a lot more uh, focused on what they're doing, what they're learning. Um, you know, it, we always, we always tell them to, you know, ask us questions or come to us with concerns that they have, or, you know, just share what they're, what's going on in their daily lives now to try yeah. to try yeah. to really get, get plugged back in. Yeah, exactly. Just, just getting involved. And, and so a few things that you had t- uh, spoken about there, and I just wrote them down because I, 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 they echo with me, but uh, so you talked about having a perspective and being willing to sacrifice kind of the now for the goals in your future. And one thing that you said that really echoed with me is that idea of once you have kids or once you have a family or you realize that that's what you do want, like, did that really, did that change the way that you viewed things or your mindset going to work? Like, did, did you find that it gave you maybe a boost in your work ethic or the drive that you had internally? Uh, I would a hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I mean, my drive before I grew up in the construction trade, left it, became a chef, um, became a head chef, opened a couple restaurants, lost the flavor because of the the work ethic around me that was coming out of the schooling systems and coming flooding the market. And so I stepped away from that one back to construction. And, um, you know, it's. Oh, sorry, just a second. No, no. Um, problem. You know, it it's. I don't know how to say that. Um, Sorry, my daughter walked in for a second. It's slightly no, it, it's all <laughs> it's all good, man. I I can edit uh, these these pauses out. There's no problem. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go, come back at me again with a question because yeah, she walked in, gave me a hug, and <laughs> <laughs> no problem, man. Yeah, what I was just getting at is, uh, you know, how has how did having kids kind of change your perspective? Did it change your work ethic? The uh, the mindset that you had towards work and just that really <laughs> internal drive that you had. Yeah, well, you just kind of saw a, a, full, a full force of it. She walks in the room and I kind of forget what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it, it, my perspective changed to the point that I started, you know, thinking about, you know, did I want to work for somebody the rest of my life? Did I want to work for myself? Um, you know, I started looking at options, weighing. I, I, I'm an analytical thinker. So everything I do, I've looked at it from probably 10 or 15 perspectives. It pisses a lot of people off that I work with. But I'd rather think of it and be planned in any direction than to not. So when my mindset started to change, I started realizing some of the things that had been said to me when I was younger. And, you know, I started really taking into consideration some of the stuff my uncles that were business owners had said to me, you know, I started thinking, okay, wait a minute, where do I want to do and how do I want to do this? Um, and even up to the fact that I've planned every five years out for the last probably 20 years, my life goal has changed in the sense of that. It's like, I don't mind managing the companies and doing what I do, but in 10 years, I want to be sitting on my farm, managing my cows. Never thought I'd be saying that, but I love having the chickens and the goats and everything that comes with the, you know, the, the livestock lifestyle. Um, and 
It's enjoyable. It's like, it's now I get why people like farming and people like doing livestock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I imagine that you're able to kind of really see the fruits of your labor. That's something that I appreciate even about the trades is that you're physically 100%. building something. Like, it's not like it's some abstract goal that you're working towards. You can, you can see all the steps and all the process that you're going through. And you can, you can see this from the very beginning to completion. It's, it's a great feeling. You said, and you said it right there that perspective started to change as I started to see where I wanted to be differently. I said, I wasn't looking at just, Oh, I'm doing this job to do this job is I started looking at it. Like you said, in the art and the sense of what we're doing and the, you know, and doing it right. When you do it right, it looks good. It looks sexy. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you just, Oh yeah. Another day at the office, like, damn, that one came out just right. Oh, hell yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's a good feeling. It's self gratification, self gratification by a hundred percent, but uh, but it makes it worth it. And, you know, so when your perspectives, you know, change, then you start to change how you do things. Um, at least for me, I don't know that, how that is for everybody else. But I know for myself, how I did things, the way I looked at what I was doing to where I'm at now, you know, I do quality control. I am a project manager and I, I'm pretty much number two, the company I'm with. Um, but it's built around the fact that my mindset was about how are we saving money? How are we losing money? Um, where, where are we, you know, where are we succeeding and failing and how do we alleviate those? Or how can we, at least our guys on the field, alleviate the sides that we need to, so that it creates better flow movement. And, um, now that's where I'm at today is, you know, I sit and I run around God's green earth and I I love every bit of it. (laughs) That's awesome, man. And, you know, talking about that, so you've, you've moved up within the company. That's, that's incredible. And how did you find that process went? Like, was it, what basically what I'm asking was, was it a direct correlation to kind of basically the ethic that you put in the the work that you put in? And did you work your way up that way? Because I've been in companies, for example, where they promote the guys who, who earn it, who really put in mm-hmm. the work. They, you can see it like, even as a crew, like when I didn't get uh, the promotion to foreman or whatever position we were in at a time and the yeah. guy beside me did, but I could recognize that he deserved it. Like he, he earned his place there. There's no problem falling in line and, and listening to him. But I've also been in companies where you'll see guys who kind of um, kiss ass their way to the top. You know, it's the brown noser on the crew. He doesn't. Oh, actually, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't <laughs> actually know what he's doing. And that that can ruin a whole crew. So like I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen you've worked for different companies and seen this same thing play out. Like, oh, yeah, it, it, you can make or ruin a work culture within a company. It's by, made me leave some very lucrative paying jobs. Because Absolutely. I can't stand a guy right next to me. Um, and they have no signs of getting rid of him. They have no problem with that person cutting on quality or cutting on, you know, just cutting any corners. And then, you know, they're right. The guys that are over here doing their hardest to clean up after those people. Um, you run your, when you treat them like that and you don't, you know, you, you reward the bad and you, you know, overrun the good. Um, you run, that's how you kill a company. You know, you'll run your employees out quick as day. Absolutely, man. You'll lose, you lose all your best, best workers that way. At least on, again, I can echo the same sentiment. Any jobs that I've been on that have, that haven't kind of employed that idea of a meritocracy where you work your way to the top. If, you know, if there's any sense of nepotism, like the boss's kid or the boss's relative getting his way worked up faster, like that will kill a whole crew faster than you can snap your fingers. Oh yeah. I, I would do like to say that the company that I'm with, I mean, that's how I started. I came in, I came in I, and I, I found him by random chance on Facebook. Actually, I, I've run my company. Um, my daughter was about to be born. Um, the one I have my youngest right now. Um, and I was in a lull and I didn't know what was going on. So I was fishing everywhere. I was online. I was on 
you know, uh, Craigslist, uh, any kind of, you know, places that would give you leads to get out and find jobs, but you got to pay for them. And I just didn't even care. And so I went on Facebook one day and I was looking through Marketplace and, and it said, um, my realtor, Gabby, and I was like, and she's looking for contractors. And I was like, what? All right, let me see what's going on. And it turned into, you know, two years later and, um, you know, they, they've taken my family in and treated them like family. It's a small business, but it's a very big company. Um, there's six companies within the main company and the, the bigger one that we are with is manufacturing. Um, but when they brought me in, you know, he told me, you know, he needs people that can think about the team and that can help grow the team and lead it. But, you know, he's been burnt so many times. This is how he brings people in. You got to go through this probationary time. You got to do this. Um, and you got, you know, it, it is, and it's a standard thing now, but, uh, I had no problem walking into the company. And I think the, the pride issue that I would have had, a, you know, a couple of years ago about like, Oh, you want me to start over? You want me to, uh, I've got time for that is whereas now it's like, I went from working for myself to like, oh, I used to do this to the guys that would come in and work for me. You're, you're giving me a shot as a contractor. All right. So let's, let's bang it out. Let's get this done. Let's move through this time and let's make it happen. Uh, but you got to be willing to start from the bottom and work your way. And that's, and that's what I did with them. And it gave me a better respect because I got to see everything from the way the, you know, the way the greenhorns and the, you know, the grunts work to the way that management worked to the, or the way that management wasn't working, um, you know, and then to where now I kind of help kind of groom and lead things where they, you know, where we hopefully they'll, they'll lead us in the right direction and what we're doing. Yeah, so. man. That's incredible. And I think, you know, you touched on it a little bit before, but mm -hmm. I think that's, missing a lot of the time now like i don't know i don't know how you guys find it with you know hiring greenhorns especially really young guys new to the trades um but we have a hell of a time hiring younger apprentices especially straight out of their i don't know how it is in the states but in canada we have a pre-apprenticeship program so they basically go to school for the first year rather than being yeah. on the tools mm -hmm. but we have a hell of a time man finding guys who will come in and work at the base level like they they expect to kind of get um, the gravy right. jobs. Like I, I'm wondering if this is kind of a across the trades issue. It, it I seems feel like, like it's here. honestly across. It's an across the globe type thing. You know, yeah, people come yeah. in, they think they've got two or three years under their belt, and they know everything. I tell my guys, look, I've been doing this for 20 years. I grew up in it, swinging hammers in my grandpa's workshop with his dog Willie, and I still to this day, he said something to me. He goes, and one of my greatest mentors actually said this to me uh, was the day that you think you know everything about what you're doing is the moment at which you need to stop and go find something else new to do. Man, that is, that is so perfect. That's so perfect. That's almost the same thing that uh, my dad had said to me too. He warned me kind of early on in the trade. He's actually an electrician as well. So okay. I, I got my start in uh, the high school apprenticeship program. So I started when I was 15. I guess this is now my uh, 17th year in the trade, but nice. the, uh, yeah, the idea he said to me is like, never, ever trust an electrician who says he knows everything. And, <laughs> and I, I, you know, and that stuck with me to this day. It's that same kind of just that one it, sentence, that one statement, but it sticks with you forever. And it, it's, again, the same reminder you had is to kind of leave your pride at the door and uh, don't ever, don't ever think that you know everything or you've mastered yeah. everything in the trade. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and it, it, it's, it's a very resonant fact. It, the people that say they know it all, it scares you. And I used to get that cockiness attitude. I would give off that attitude because I'm not the person that will, I don't like to be a yes person, but if people have told you as like a client that there's no way to do something that they want um, or, you know, X, Y, and Z reason that it can't be done, 
I like it when people come to me because I'm like, okay, hold on. And give me a little bit of time. I don't give them a time frame. Just let me play with it and let me find a solution. And that's, you know, that's that it comes back to that is, you know, always figuring something out instead of just kind of being in that complacent mindset. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and and I don't know about you, but I I love those challenges. I love oh, being told God, yes. that there's there's no way to get this done. It's impossible. And then you sit there, take, I don't know, a couple hours <laughs> a day, plan it out, and you've got it solved. Like there is nothing more gratifying than that at work. Oh, I'm telling you, man, I could be having the worst week and somebody brings me a situation like that and it can change my week. It can change my month. It changes my whole outlook because not only are you getting to solve a, a problem that everybody says isn't even available or is, it doesn't have an available solution, but also you're able to give the client or the, you know, or clients, whether you're doing commercial or residential, whatever, um, but you're able to give them, you know, that, that, that fulfillment of what they wanted. Yeah. You know, like nothing like being told you can't have what you want, especially in today's age. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, so being able to give people, you know, their, their dreams or to bring their ideals to life, uh, you know, it, it, in construction industry, I mean, that's really what we're doing is we're taking ideals and we're bringing them to life, whether it's designed by, you know, uh, you know, big time designer and architect or whether it's a homeowner looking to build their first house, you know, um, yeah, there and there's something. That's how I like to look at it. I like to build dreams. <laughs> hey, man, you know what? I've been I've been accused before on this on this podcast of romanticizing the trades, but I'm happy to hear that I'm not the only one because I have the exact oh, same on, view. Yes, man, I have the same view. Like to me, there's nothing more gratifying than that. And like you said, sometimes you're building somebody's first home or their dream home or whatever the case may be, and you're able to take it from just this patch of earth to this whatever, whatever house they've, they've dreamed up and they've, they've been working the past, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years towards, and now okay. you're able to, to build it from scratch. Oh yeah. That's why, I mean, it's one of the things that kills me in the trade is because you see a lot of that and your people are building, they're building their dreams and we're helping build them. And it kills me to see contractors that come in and, and uh, do what they do. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's one of the, it's why one of the reasons why we are the way we are. And it kind of sounds like you are the same way is I'd rather be straightforward with the client. I'm going to, they're going to charge a little more, but we're going to do this right. We're not going to mess around about it. You know, X, Y, and Z, blah, blah. Or, you know, if you're wanting to cut corners or do this, or it, uh, maybe I'm not the guy for you. Uh, yep. It took me years to get to that point to stand there because I mean, it, having that gratification of doing things right for somebody else, and then you start to make it personal you stop letting anybody um, kind of dictate to you how you're going to do stuff. Um, and in my, at least in my, at least in my industry being, I'm, I'm only 36 years old. So, you know, it, it, coming through this, being a young guy that had some little bit of pull around uh, a lot of people didn't like it. They thought it was cockiness. They thought it was just being a, you know, an asshole or, you know, trying to flaunt my shit. But the reality of it is I wouldn't compromise my name. Cause ultimately if I'm working, say I'm working for you, um, it's your company, but at the end of the day, it's also my name. Yeah. And what do we have beside that? Yeah. And that, that level of personal accountability and ownership, I think is absolutely essential and key to being a good tradesman because ultimately, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a tradesman, it's a, it's a craft. You are really building something and every project that you do, you're putting your stamp on it. That's, that's what you've done. And I, I completely agree, man. I, yeah, I, I can echo all that from you. We've had the same thing. And you know, it took me a while to to realize it too. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm I'm 32 now, um, but again, because I started young, just like you did, you've got a good number of years under your belt, and you do start to work your way up in companies. It's it's um it can be tough dealing with 
older guys, especially when I was in the oil field, we'd get a lot of, you know, oh God, sec- yeah, I've heard stories about oil yeah. fields. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, like because those jobs are such high paying, like guys may have spent their entire lives in a different industry and they're, but you know, they're a second year apprentice. They're 45 years old coming up there. They're still making, I don't know, 45 to 50 bucks an hour. But, and then they're getting bossed around by this 28 year old uh, journeyman. And, you know, the, <laughs> there is a, there can be a real <laughs> clash of, uh, of personalities in there, but it, it you'd learn to kind of how to navigate it. And again, I kind of, I echo the same stuff you do, but it's, uh, yeah, it can it be has changed quite a bit in the yeah. years, like just watching the unions and watching just even in, just even in non-union sides, um, you know, it used to be, you know, the old guys wouldn't really look out for the young guys. And, you know, it was kind of a, a clash of clans per se to kind of now as you start to see stuff, um, and, and also being in that transition of becoming one of the old guys, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> it, you, you start to see how it's more about how to, and you said this a little bit ago, I think is like asking a lot of questions. Um, this is why I tell all my guys, ask as many questions as you want. No question is stupid. You're going to ask me too many times. Um, I'd rather ask you a million, million questions to send you out completely knowledgeable than for you to not ask anything and go out and call me with the problem. Yeah, you've created. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I completely agree, man. I, I echo the same thing to our apprentices and to, to the guys who, who work under me as well. It's, I, I could not echo that loud enough. So you've been in electrical your entire life then pretty much, right? I mean, as far as your working life. Yeah, man. I, uh, I started when I was, well, 14, I had to get a job and I worked in a, a butcher shop as the cleanup kid. So all, all I did was come home from uh, after school, go to work and then come home covered in blood and bleach. And that really, <laughs> that really honestly gave me a different outlook when it comes to, you know, sawdust and grime from work. Like now that stuff doesn't phase me. Right. Right. You're like, yeah, you know, I was 14 just get splattered with pig guts. It's cool. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just a diff- different bit of a view. Cause I've got, like you said, perspective on it. It's like, it could be a oh, yeah. whole lot worse. I would say, man, like in my years growing up on the farms and like tasseling corn and, you know, and having a family, it's got a pig farm and things like that. Like I hated it. I hated every bit of it. Um, but now growing up, tell me about coming back to it is a lot of the values then that I just kind of glimpsed over. Um, now as I'm getting older and I've got, you know, I'm round two with another kid and started a lot of my C's start coming back and start kicking in and all these little, you know, just the, the work ethic and the lifestyle. And you start to see like, why my grandparents work so hard and, um, why it matters to them because it wasn't just anymore, you know, it wasn't about them just running a business and having some employees is grandma and grandpa had their five children and then they had the five you know those five children's grandchildren and those families um they had all these people that they and i never understood it because my grandmother looked out for all of us mm-hmm. uh, and my great-grandmother but you know it, it, they had all these families they were taking care of um and so i think it's kind of one of the things that like brought me back to farming is because it brought me back to you know the idea of family and like what it really is um and i've been searching for that for a long time so construction kind of gave me it <laughs> Yeah, man, I hear you. I mean, construction is a good way to develop that work ethic, like you said, or growing up on a farm, obviously. But it's amazing how like the wisdom that comes with age kind of reignites all those those different lessons you were taught as a kid. Hey, like I know I was the same way. I went through kind of the rebellious teenage stage and I just thought I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't see the bigger picture. Right. I couldn't understand these lessons and why they were teaching them to me. And I would just get pissed off and frustrated. And yeah. then, you know, you 100%. grow up. Yeah, you grow up. You have kids of your own and it. I mean, we've said it probably 18 times already, but it's perspective. Everything just shifts. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> hey, that, that might end up becoming part of the title of this episode is perspective, but there I, you go. I, I mean, it, it, yeah. the reality of it is, is, is what it really comes down to. Um, you know, you want more in life, you have to change perspective. If you don't, they, I, I can't remember who 
says it, but they say you're, you become like the five closest people you surround yourself with. And so if you don't like who you are, you have to first start looking at who you're spending, you know, who you're spending your time with. Um, and then if you don't like what you're seeing there, then you start changing who you have around you. Um, I read it in a book somewhere. I, somebody said it to me and it sounded smart, I guess, but yep. no, I've, I've heard the same thing. And I, I completely agree with it too. That's uh that's what I've tried to do is analyze, you know, the people that I associate myself with. And um, it's not you know, that you're judging people. It's no. that you, you have to look at people that are being ambitious for something, have goals or trying to move forward. Um, you know, when you get into that, when you get surrounded by people that are in that plateau, unfortunately, they do kind of drag you into it. And it's not to say that you can't hang out with them or you're not supposed to be friends with those kind of people, but they shouldn't be the people you surround yourself with in your close circle. You want to be surrounded by people that are either doing better than you or making moves better than you, or ultimately are just pushing to be at the next level. And they're not, they're not sitting complacently chilling out enjoying the plateau that they've made it to. Um, and and it, I don't know if that sounds odd or, you know, it might sound like a little snooty or whatever nose in the air, but I mean, it's just kind of how you have to look at life. Um, it's always, I mean, the way I've, at least the way I was taught is you're always looking for a way to continually move forward and, and moving forward, you move back, move forward to the better. Yeah, man, that, that doesn't sound snotty to me at all. Cause honestly, like that's, that's kind of a transitional stage. I think most people go through kind of in your late twenties, you start to analyze that. At least for me, that's when it, when it kind of kicked into gear. Right. And, um, but no, and I mean, I completely agree. And at the same time, like when you start to kind of get into these different groups and you're starting to lift yourself up off that plateau, I mean, it's amazing kind of the effect that that can have even on your other friends in the other groups who are, you know, comfortable plateauing. And then they see you start to rise and it, a lot of the time it can pull a lot of people up at the same time. Indeed. You know, but you, you gotta be, it, sometimes that's what I tell people, even if you're the only one standing, get up and stand. Exactly. You know, get up and do, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean people will follow leaders. Um, and that's great. And those that don't will flake themselves off and they will, they will go off and do what they're supposed to do. And you'll continue to do, excuse me, um, doing what you're supposed to do. Yep. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the biggest thing is to just keep moving. I completely agree, man. <laughs> even if it's, even if it's just one inch at a time, at least you're moving forward. You're, you're trying yes, to push. Don't towards. give up. You know, it, you see this thing is it's like, Oh, um, as long as you're, as long as you're walking, you know, or as long as you keep walking, you're fine. If you can't walk, then crawl. If you can't crawl, then, you know, drag yourself as long as you're moving. Yep. Um, but the reality of it is, is that it, whether it's in life, whether it's mentally, it's emotionally, whatever, um, you know, when you, when you, when you get stagnant, um, you start to miss out on a lot. I mean, I've been there. Um, I've been in that spot where I get comfortable, I get settled, settled in. Uh, then you start to get stagnant and I don't even realize that I'm kind of just, and I know I've said this word a few times, but kind of complacent and um, forgetting, you get comfortable with what you have. So you forget about where you're supposed to be going. You know, and that's where I said, you know, like in the last 20 years, I've rewrote my five-year goal multiple times. My 10-year goal, you don't even want to see the list. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I've, like, I've talked about it, too. And it's funny that you recommend or that you talk about that is because I oh, I, I recommend it, thing. too, completely, 100 percent. Yeah. And that's that's the same thing that I do as well as I have, you know, I have different steps, different uh, different term limits on my goals. Right. But I'm, I'm the same mm -hmm. way. I've always got a five year goal. Um, I've got I mean, talking about laughable goals, you should see the goals that I've got for this podcast, they are laughable, but at, at the same well, time, I've seen there, there, there it's paid out well, man. Uh, yeah, just yeah. in listening to everything. It's I, I'm very pleased with it. So, well, thanks, man. I, I really very relatable. It. Yeah. yeah it, it's, uh, when you reached out, it was one of the first things I did. You're like, Oh, you should check this one out. And I was like, I'm going to check them all out. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to be on the road. So I just put you on, man. I just listened to you and I was like, Holy shit. You know what? There's, 
there are other guys out here that kind of think the same way because you, you you get into a group around a group of people and you're the only one kind of thinking about the bigger picture. Um, it gets, I mean, you're just kind of like, all right, whatever. And you coast through, you coast through the jobs and around the people and the, the change of employees and, you know, without really batting an eye on it. So it's nice to know there's other guys out there that think in the same perspectives of, you know, like, what are we really out here for? You know, we're not just, you know, swinging hammers and popping rivets and, you know, you know, being sparkies. It's um, there's more to it. There's gotta be. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's, I think that's what drives me the most nuts and was honestly the inspiration for this podcast is because, you know, we're all familiar with seeing tradesmen on, you know, sitcoms or whatever. It's just the plumber who walks in, he grunts a few things and then (laughs) bends over and his ass is hanging out. Right. And that's, that's all it is. That's all you ever see about trades in anything. And there is so much more to it. Like, like I was talking about the depths of the conversations that I'd have in the oil field or like you have on the road where you're really becoming brothers with these guys. Like, Oh yeah. These guys, I mean, I've had guys share their entire life story with me and I just happen to be walking into the hotel at two in the morning from the job site mm-hmm. at the right time. And they're, and they just start sitting talking. You find out you guys are you're not in the same trade, but you're, you know, you're in within the industry and guys will sit down and just start talking to you. Um, and, and they'll show you everything. Um, it's, it's, it's a humbling at the same time. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's really fucking awesome just to meet, cool people you, you would never like you say you, you never meet anywhere unless you you're out there moving around pissing off your wife <laughs> <laughs> exactly and like and like you said when you piss off your wife who else are you going to turn to you got to turn to your co-workers man like, right you got to turn to the new friends so. yeah you got to turn to the guys who are going through the exact same thing they've pissed off their wives too and it's you know you, you got to have a vent somewhere to, to blow off that steam and it's yeah mm-hmm. I, it's you uh you definitely do i mean and again for fortunate side of it is if not, if not us, then who, you know, it's going to be somebody else. It's going to be another kid doing it. It's going to be another, you know, you know, guy in his thirties, forties, the next generation that's taking over, um, you know, where this last generation is trying to ultimately they're trying to step out. Um, and that's where you see a lot of the lacking in the trades is you got a lot of guys retiring out. You got a lot of guys that are kind of phasing um, and there's not enough to even replace the ones that are leaving, let alone make a fraction of what we really need in the industries. Um, you know, they talked about, it, I think during COVID, you know, we, we saw a flux in the building industry in the United States, um, an increase of like a hundred thousand jobs. And that's great. <laughs> we've got a hundred thousand different more jobs of work to do, but we don't have a hundred thousand more people that are stepping up to the plate to fill those positions. Exactly. You don't have the 200,000 boots sitting there waiting to, to take their exactly. place. And, and that's, it sucks. Yeah. But, you know what? Ahead. It's funny because that was actually one of the notes that I wanted to bring up to, but we've just gone off talking i haven't even looked back at my notes but um it's interesting because we have that same issue in canada and when i got started again this would have been 2005 uh 2004 anyway um but we had a massive shortage of uh, new people coming into the trades and so that's why they kicked in all these high school apprenticeship programs to try to get young people into the into the construction industry and it's it's paid off great but still now there's there's no, there's nobody coming in to fill out that generation. And it's the same thing here in Canada, that older generation of construction workers, you know, be it whatever trade across the whole gambit of trades, um, they're aging and phasing out. And there's, you know, I look at it like, I, I honestly, obviously want to draw more people into the trades, but at the same time, I mean, my eyes are just rolling with like money signs right now, because there's, who's going to fill that, that need. Like, I'm, I'm going to have work for the rest of my life if I want. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, we were, we're talking about the guys that are going to fill the need of the ones who are talking about it, the ones that see it. Um, yep. You know, it, it, it's unfortunate. But, you know, one of the problems we have, you, you said this, you know, in 2004, 2005, you guys implemented these, you know, trade programs into high school. 
and we were implementing it out in the U.S. and making, you know, shop and all these different extracurricular, you know, trade per se, um, you know, after school programs or, um, you know, credible, credible programs. Yep. Uh, we took them out. They don't exist. Really? You know, upholstery class. You, do, you don't see shop class like you used to. Kids aren't building cars like they used to. Um, you know, they're not, you know, you're, you're not in woodworking class like it used to be. It's slowly being phased back in, but for a big stint, we crippled the economy by shutting down kids' creativity. Oh, that's my opinion. Man, I, mean, I shouldn't say that as a fact that's, that is, that is just my opinion of just watching the world unfold for the last, you know, 20 years. No, man, that's, that's heartbreaking because I mean, you need that and not, not to mention, I mean, I don't know how you were, but I personally, I fucking hated sitting in class. Like, yes. Th- Are you there's... put me in shop class. You put me in working class, upholstery class, fucking home ec. Even I had fun in absolutely learn how to cook. And sew. it was great. Absolutely. Anything I could do with my hands where I wasn't just reading and, you know, sitting still, I loved it. And yeah. it's, it's really sad because I think that there's a lot of people, I, you know, I, I know that there's women who are involved in this too, but I think that there's a lot of guys specifically who have a hard time sitting in class and just paying attention. And um, that's, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just, I personally learned differently. And if, if, you know, if, if I didn't have those kind of outlets in high school, there's no way I would have graduated. No, hell no. Yeah. I mean, it would have, it would have, it would have definitely crippled me. And I would have, I would have came out a complete terrible student instead of a halfway. Okay. Terrible student. <laughs> <laughs> hey same thing man i uh there were a couple couple of classes i just barely passed by the skin of my nose but you know uh, the the uh, the apprenticeship program pulled me through so yeah i don't know man that's that's tough to hear because if they took that program out for 10 12 years whatever it may be like you, that you cripple an entire generation yeah that that's process. that's a whole generation of kids going through school you know k through uh-huh. 12 12 years and that's a whole generation of kids that had have no experience in it or no you know they it's don't even get to i mean it's partially my generation and then the generation i don't know whatever they call the the next one up under us i think we're the we're the millennials technically yeah um, uh, I know. i'm on the tail i guess i'm on the forefront of that um, i always add the technically into because yeah because i mean like when you throw a millennial <laughs> out there people are like oh my god <laughs> Uh, but the reality of it is there's such a broad spectrum of what we are and who we are as people. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, 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 it's just a term way I see it. But the, so the next generation after that is where you really see that kind of that they're helpless, don't know how to change a tire, um, or relying on everything, you know, it, it, relying on a man to do, you know, do the basics for him. Um, and I'll say that in a negative way. I try, I, I try and teach my daughters to, my goal is because of the way just seeing the world today and as it is, I don't want my daughters ever to be dependent on a man. And what I mean by that is that I want them to be able to change a tire. I want them to do their oil changes. Um, you know, when they come out, so my daughter's already trained and taught and her and the chickens are best friends and they got a routine and life is just simple, you know, but it, it's, you know, how to, how to survive for yourself, how to do for yourself so that, you know, like when I met my wife, she didn't need me. One of the, I think it was one of the best things that turned me on about her. She didn't yeah. need a thing from me. Man. All she wanted was me the exact same thing here. I told my wife that too. I said like there, the fact that you don't need me and that you, you just simply want me is incredible. Like it's, it's, it's humbling, it is, um, you know, to be, it's humbling. to be that important to somebody that that's all they want. And that's vice versa. That's all I want from her. Absolutely. I, I don't need her now. I mean, now that we've been together for five years and we're married, I kind of need her. Like my lifestyle <laughs> is not going to happen with one person. <laughs> no, no, I, I get you completely. Like things change, but that, that beginning, that, that meeting and that, you know, when you start to develop a relationship, it's incredible. I think, I think developing a, a sense of independence in anybody is, is key. It's, it's good for their own survival. It's good for, you know, meeting people in the future, whatever it may be that there's, there's nothing wrong with teaching independence. 
Yeah, no, they, somebody, I don't remember who said it, but it stuck me over the years and I've shared it with a lot of friends over the years, but like you can't, you can never expect, no matter what relationship you're in, whether it's a friendship, whether it's sexual, whether it's whatever, you can't expect anybody else to make you happy if you first yourself cannot make yourself happy. Absolutely. You know, and so like a lot of people in like today's world are out trying to find people to fill void for them instead of like you focusing on yourself, becoming, you know, receptive to the fact that we need to grow. And that's part of becoming humans and becoming better human beings is to, to have that forward growth and that forward movement. Um, and until we can do that for ourselves, people will, and that's why you see a lot of relationships, a lot of people jumping through relationships and a lot of problems and, you know, well, they weren't good enough or they didn't give me this. And it's, it's cause it's not their job to give you purpose. It's not their job to, you know, people are so complacent on somebody else giving them something out of, out of it instead of just being there and enjoying who they are. Absolutely. Uh, if that makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, I think it even relates back to what we were talking about with, um, you know, who you associate yourself with. Like, I mm -hmm. think, I think generally people kind of get dragged down to the lowest common denominator. And if you aren't, if you aren't self-sufficient, you haven't built yourself up to the point where you're competent and confident, then, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to, if you're going to give that power to somebody else, they're going to drag you down. Like you have to oh, be 100%. able to kind of, yeah, you have to be able to stoke that fire within yourself. They say the idea is like when you succeed, you take people up, but the, the ultimate, the one thing I have noticed is, is that while you're succeeding, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to bring you down, yeah. not because they don't want to see you succeed, but because they don't want to be where they're at alone. Yep. Um, you know, and what they say, uh, misery loves company. Um, I think that's a kind of a universal statement over the years. Um, and, and it's very true. And so, and that's in and, and, and a broader spectrum than just misery. Um, people like company where they are and where they're comfortable at. And, you know, they don't like being sitting there alone. So people are always looking for a way to keep people around them instead of letting them grow. And other people are always looking for a way to help or make happy those around them instead of just focusing on themselves and making themselves happy. Well, and, and it's kind of heartbreaking too to think about. Like, I mean, I, oh, you know, you, know you, you think about it with, with friends. Like, I mean, I know personally, like I'll see friends who, who start a company and, you know, you can even like, I, you know, I have a lot of, I have a real love hate um, relationship with social media. I mean, I love it because, <laughs> because, you know, I, especially with this 100%. podcast. Yeah. It's put me in contact with people like you, all these different people, like, uh, and actually, sorry, before I forget this, speaking of just yeah. connecting with different people. And when we were talking about some of the younger guys coming into the trade, one thing that I've really been lifted up by is the fact that I've been contacted by a number of guys who are like, I'm 18 to 22, you know, in that age range. And they're, they're talking about getting into the trades and enjoying hearing about, you know, work ethic and stuff like that. So I do have a little bit of optimism, but I agree with your sentiment in general that it does seem to be lacking, but I am hopeful in seeing kind of some of the responses. And, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. see some of these groups where you get these young guys who are like, Hey man, I'm 18. I just started welding. What do you guys think? Yep. And it, and it, it love, and I love, and I love seeing the camaraderie on social media. Cause a lot of times you get so focused on the hate or where people pick each other apart and you just see all these people come through and are just like, Hey, this is great. Keep it up. Keep moving here. Do this. We'll try that. Um, and to see that's what that, that comes back to like what I was saying earlier, like, you know, back when, when I was growing up to watch how the old guys acted with the young guys, <laughs> you want to know you're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And now everybody's like, Hey, I want to know. And so, and, and nobody's like, and nobody stops them. Everybody's like, okay, well here, here you go. There's a plethora of information out there. And, and the biggest problem I think that we have is that people aren't really, they not everybody is going out there to look for that information or making an effort to, to figure out what they need to do to be better at what they're at. 
No, man, absolutely. And that's, that's definitely one of the pros of, like you said, social media going into those trades groups. It's, it's awesome to see people answering questions and really trying to help oh, these young guys get out. And, but uh, back to, you know, starting the businesses and, you know, when people kind of try to drag you down, one thing that frustrates me so much is that you'll see like people posting about their successes in their own, in the business that they work for, right. The, the company that they work for and everybody's, Oh, congratulations on the promotion, blah, 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 the blah, pat blah. on the back. Yeah. The, you know, stereotypical. And, yeah. But then the Still same good. person, the same person will start their own business trying to cultivate customers and it's silence. Like it's crickets from everybody. It's, it seems to be like people want, you know, your friends want you to succeed, but they don't want you to get too many steps ahead right and it's exactly it's frustrating as hell man it's one of the things that <laughs> like I, or yeah, it's, like, hey can you hook me up i mean that's the oh, only discount man. you're gonna give me like what do you i thought we were friends yeah we are you're lucky i'm giving you a discount <laughs> and we are like don't you want to help me support my family by no, paying? i gotta pay for this i gotta you know this isn't now that i work for me i'm just gonna give you cost on everything and i'm gonna do this for way under value and it, it, it you know it, it would be it bewildered me at the expectations of some of the friends that I had that when I started working for myself or, you know, started freelancing as an independent contractor, um, that the amount of just, and well, so a friend said to me, the same guy that, you know, gave me some life lessons uh, early on, his name is Fred King. Um, so, so Fred, um, said to me, you know, there's 99% of people that want honest work from you and are willing to pay to get it. There's that 1% in our trade, um, that, they're looking for, for a way to get you to pay for everything. Yeah. And so that's what you got to watch out for. The ones that are out here that are, you know, the one percenters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's a tagline most people get behind. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, even my sister, she's a, a personal trainer and she went off on her own. She's kind of freelancing it and it's awesome. But even mm -hmm. when, like I was getting some personal training lessons from her and she's like, Oh, like, what do you want to pay? I'm like, charge me at your full rate yeah, like I'm, what do you I, normally charge me and then i will pay you that and yeah like, like well, no, but no and it's like you gotta stop doing that to yourselves yes i agree like and and she's incredibly confident incredibly capable like mm -hmm. I, and i know i know where it came from she wanted to be nice but i at the same time like it's it's right back to what you said about customers like you're not you're not in the market to to please every single person like you know what some people are going to want people who are going to cut corners, be cheap. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for cheap labor, cheap work. But if you aren't willing to do that, you're wanting to, to put in your top effort. You're, you're going to cut out that segment of the customer base. Like, yeah, have some, you know, hold yourself, hold yourself in higher esteem is, is my opinion. Like, yeah, hold you yourself know. to a higher level than doing yep. so. I mean, you attract the people you need around you as well as you're going to attract those kind of clients. Um, and I mean, and don't get me wrong, we're, we're not the cheapest in town. We're not the most expensive in town. Yeah. Um, but we stand behind what we, you know, what we, what we put out there and I have no problem breaking it down for a client, you know, why we are the way we are, why you're seeing this way it is. And here's, here's what you're going to get. And if you don't get this and, and I put it all in writing, I, I learned a long time ago, everything is in a text message, email. I don't care if we had a conversation on the phone, it's going into a text message and you're going to agree to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Get <laughs> writing. That's why I lay it all out for him. And then, you know, most times we're like, Oh, so you really do go through this, that, 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 that you know, and, and they start seeing that, you know, you're, you're not just, I'm going to give you what you want. And however it happens, no, look, I like uh, the project run right now. I got a lean to that was turned into a bedroom on a house in a historic town. And then we start removing section of the deck to add on a room addition. And we get in and I see that 
that lean-to is actually built onto the deck. It's definitely <laughs> not to code. <laughs> there explains why they got a lot of balance in the floor, and it's always cold because the HVAC is just floating through the open crawl space. Yep. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. And I was like, look, I am going to tell you what's going to happen here. It's We're going to do this, this move. Inspector's going to come out for what we're doing, see that, and you're going to have to do it. Or let me go ahead and do what I need to do to beef this up, get it presentable. So when the inspector comes through, he sees we're already handling the problem and we just keep moving. You know, um, a lot of people are like, not my job, not my problem. You know, right? Well, you're going to have to figure that out. Um, it, it's it's creating solutions. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, it sucks to be the bearer of bad news. Like I've been in, <laughs> I've been in those situations too, man, where like we'll oh. come in right now. Recently, it's a lot of it has to do with um, car chargers because a lot mm -hmm. of people are wanting EVs, but you go in yep. and from, from my end, I have to do a, a load calculation on your house. And if your house can't handle uh, this 50 amp load that, and let's face it, most of them can't like, luckily yeah, I mean, people don't realize what you really actually, Oh, I'm just going to stick a charger at the house. It's cool. Exactly. They think, oh, you just just plug it into the panel and we're good to go. It's like, no, no, no. Like the, the cables literally feeding your house have a maximum rating and you can't go <laughs> right. over that. Like, you can only do so much. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it sucks being the bearer of bad news. But I, I mean, I find in the end, at least people appreciate the honesty. And, they respect you more. Exactly. And you know what? What I've heard too, probably nine times out of 10, if you get a no on kind of the go ahead for that. I guarantee you within a couple of weeks, they're going to shop around for other people, try to find somebody who will cut corners. Then they realize like, ah, this is a bad idea. They call you back. Like they want it done properly. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it takes a couple of weeks for them to realize like, ah, shit, that guy was right. They're going to come back. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I mean, almost every time I've not, anything is, is they'll even do it after they've gone to a shitty contractor. Yep. You know, it's, and, and, and I feel really, those are the times I feel bad because you. Want, I used to help everybody. Oh, we did. Okay, well, we'll get this fixed. We'll do this. Well, you know, I won't charge. And now I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I tried to tell you, um, and I can't cut my corners on costs so that I can help you out because you didn't listen in the first place. I know. Um, and I used to think I was an asshole in saying that, and I started realizing how many more business owners live by that principle. Um, yeah. It's not my fault you don't listen. Um, when you don't listen to me or somebody else or whatever, but when you do come back, understand, I still have to charge you because I got to redo all the work they've done. I can't question it. I can't, I can't put any warranty on it. So I've got to change it all out, redo. And, you know, it, and then, and, and they're like, Oh, okay, well, cool. Let's do it. I mean, if you're going to warranty your workout, all right, let's, you know, let's get it out of the way and let's start it over. And, and it sucks, but you have to protect yourself ultimately. Exactly. As soon as you kind of sign off on that project being completed now, yeah, your name's on it. it you're yeah. you're liable for anything. I I agree, man. I had the same the same kind of struggles with it. Hell, sometimes I still struggle with that when you know they'll have some shitty fly by night guy come in and change out devices in the house or whatever, and I come by like ah these aren't approved, like the the connections aren't properly done, and like oh well can you There's, just it's like you're like they really did what exactly and it... what? no way yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and I, and you know I still struggle with that feeling bad sometimes I mean I've gotten a lot better with it it's like well I'm sorry but I can't warranty any of their work we have to go through every single device and redo it all and it's yeah it's going to cost I, it, what it, it costs it, it, and they usually hate it at first but like you said it comes back ultimately they respect you because not only are you doing the massage but now you're guaranteeing that everything that was ever touched in their home is now legit. It's safe. Um, it's up to code, you yep. know, whatever it needs to be. Um, and then you guarantee it to go with it. Um, so you, you take that bad experience for them. You show them they're still, cause that's the biggest thing. And I used to hear so many horror stories and I unfortunately started hearing more than I was hearing good. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, trying to change that, that was, that became one of my like big 
big reasons for always making sure whatever I do, even if it takes me an extra five minutes and I lose a little money on something, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. Um, is because so many other guys would go and I'm sure you hear this, not my job, not my problem. Yep. Um, and the difference between that is the difference in a phone call down the line, them telling 10 of their friends how I took, you know, extra special care of them or whatever, um, you know, to they, they, it, that makes or that can make or break a company. Yep. Well, you know, they should have caught this and they didn't, they didn't pay attention that, you know, they, so then they, people were talking about the negatives of what you did or didn't do. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it all, they say we, we were, you know, we're doing repeat history because everything comes full circle. And that latter part is very true because ultimately everything we put into life um, and into our businesses or into our, you know, personal growth within a company, it all comes full circle. If you're putting in half-ass work and you're putting in half-ass attitude, that's what you're going to get out of everything. Well, yeah, man. And there's, there's a quote that I read and I'm going to butcher it here, but it oh, was, <laughs> it said, uh, it said there is, what is it? There's no traffic along the extra mile. And that's something that I try to keep in mind every time when it comes to something like that. Like it's just the finishing touches or that little extra bit that you put in, it's going to be noticed because 95% of contractors out there aren't going to do it. Like you're going to yeah, stand in out. The homeowner, that's the first thing they notice. So that's the clients. One of the first thing you notice is, is the small details. You, everybody exactly. can do the big stuff. It's the ones you want to keep around that pay attention to the small stuff. Exactly, man. And yeah, yeah, it just, it goes such a long way. Like you said, like you're going to get callbacks. They're going to recommend you to friends. It's going to grow your business. And especially when you're starting out, that is, that is so important. I mean, consistency obviously is key, but when you're starting out, if you want to build a name for yourself, that is so Honest important. work is the best way to go. Exactly. I see so many guys that start up and they are, they're, they're trying to underbid the next guy and then they start you know, skipping on. I mean, I've got guys that, you know, they start up and they are already banned from every tool rental shop in the entire state within six months of being opened up because they won't pay their bills or they're underbidding themselves and they're struggling right from the get go. Um, you know, it, it's, you gotta be, it's hard. I mean, when you start up for yourself, you're trying to please everybody, you yeah. know, you're trying to figure out a way to take on every job you can, but, um, you know, if, if you can stay true to yourself as much as humanly possible, um, cause we do compromise. It's the beautiful thing in life is you learn to compromise and then those compromises grow. Yep. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's standing true to that, that honest work that you don't see anymore. Um, especially in new businesses. Um, and then it's not to say that's all of them, but I, unfortunately, at least where I'm at and the, the, where I travel, um, I see a lot of, a lot of, a lot of shitty, shitty contracting. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times that's what we do is I end up on dealerships where I'm playing fireman crew most of the time, trying to figure out what was done. Nobody wants to claim for it. And this part's not finished. And now we got a shit show. Like how do we, so, okay, fine. Here, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to bill everybody. And you all can fight over the bill. Um, yep. You know, and you get in, get it done, you get out. Um, you know, it, it, it's sad to see that. And that could be on a, you know, $3,000 remodel. That can be on a $23 million Porsche dealership. Um yep. It, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't surprise me anymore. <laughs> no. And no, I agree, man. I mean, I think it, I think even just the fact that, you know, both of us have had to travel for work kind of speaks to that. Like there's, mm -hmm. you know, they, they have to draw in good workers from outside of the area because, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a, a portion of, you know, trades that I like to highlight because I don't, you know, I know not everybody's like that, but it's true. You get a lot of scabs out there too. And yeah. my hope, my hope is just that, you know, the cream rises to the top and people realize it. And I think they do. I, I really, no, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, yeah. it, it, it's, 
you get the guys and that's what I said earlier, you know, that's what became one of my, my first goals of doing things the right way was just to see how much bad we were hearing. It was like, you know what, fuck it. So my personal goals, we're just gonna make sure we do everything sound from the get going out. Um, and I caused a lot of problems with the company I was with and doing that because I take an extra five minutes, people, you know, <clears throat> people's jobs that I might've um, swallowed up over time, um, <laughs> you know, got tired of, you know, that, you know, they were always getting barked at the first six months of my time at that company was cleaning up behind the foreman. Yeah. Um, you know, everything he seemed to touch, which come to find out he was touching the alcohol at lunch break. So it made sense. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's going through and coming behind him and cleaning up all his messes. Um, you know, it, it yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate tough. that this is how, you know, kind of people get, but at the same time, um, you know, you get guys in the company that care and that they, they do, they do matter. It does matter to them in the long term of it. And they start to shine. It gives them a shine as well. Got a exactly. lot of guys step up in the last couple of years just because of poor people that were in good positions that didn't respect what they were doing. Exactly. And I think that's, again, what we had talked about before, not to loop back too many times, but oh, yeah, the idea yeah. of, a, of a meritocracy and of people, you know, you give the jobs to deserving people. If you, you know, that's the only way to, to create a, a good, competent workforce and a workforce that has that, that proper culture built into it. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I, I, I really hate to end this conversation because I'm, I'm having a blast, but I know it's getting, getting later for you. And I, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this talk. No, you're good, man. Um, you let me know anytime. It's just, even if you want to hit it and just talk the shit, that's uh, totally fine with me. I enjoy, like you said, if it wasn't for social media, the, 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 the good side of the double-edged sword, um, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have the chance to meet somebody like yourself and, and so many others. Um, and the same situations where it's just like, you know, you're on a random post and people are like, wait a minute. I like how you think let's let's talk you know yeah. um <laughs> yeah that the message that you sent i mean it, it resonates with a lot of people and that's again that's what i, I like honestly about kind of felt a little weird throwing it on i'm not gonna lie i kind of felt a little little weird throwing it on there because it had my wife's name in it and it was a little more sappy so it was like the the sappier side of construction they're kind of just the human <laughs> side that people don't really see they see us as like these dirty grease covered assholes joking about this and that and you know we really don't have that you know that good family nature human side we're you know just angry assholes you know I, at least what i grew up seeing yeah and um so i threw it out there just kind of like remind everybody in humanity is like why do we do this what do we do it for yeah um don't don't lose track of that because i know i have many a time and um I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the things that I have today. So, um, oh man, I, I appreciate that message. And I think that's kind of the perfect way to leave off. It's, it's having yeah. that why behind, you know, what, what pulls you out of bed at 5.00 AM and keeps you from <laughs> complaining. You've got, you've got that why. And uh, you know, it drives you to work. Like you said, 12, 14, 16 hour days, whatever it takes. But if you've got that why in your life, it, it goes by like a breeze. Oh yeah. If you want to, if you don't want the normal, then you have to be willing to not do the normal. Absolutely, man. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, no, it's been a much a pleasure, my guy. And it's fucking awesome to actually finally get to talk to you. I've been anticipating this time of like meeting up and, and doing, you know, doing what we're doing now and just, uh, just to be able to hear your brain and hear how you think personally. So no, it's, um, it's been very much a pleasure, man. And I'm looking forward to hearing some more of your, uh, some more of your sessions and, uh, and what you put up. Well, thanks, man. The feeling is definitely mutual and uh, we'll have to, we'll have to touch base again. I really enjoyed this. All right, brother. We'll have a great evening and uh, enjoy time with your family. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. You too. All right, later. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. 
I really appreciate all the feedback you have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.